Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. Psychology of the Exceptional Child, Psych 342, and this is week one. Um, this is session one, and we are studying in this class children who are atypical, those who do not follow what we would consider to be normal developmental pathways. Um, our children that we're going to focus on would be those children who would be eligible to go into a public school um, into the special ed program. So we're primarily going to cover those who are intellectually challenged, those who are gifted, um, physically and or behaviorally handicapped, the visual or hearing impairments, um, those who have learning disabilities, um, possibly have speech or language impairments, and might be on the autism spectrum. Um, today, we're going to cover some terminology, a little bit of history of um, special education as it is today some of the major legislation that um, is out there that came from some litigation, um, what the referral process is for children in special education, um, options that exist for those children where they would be placed in a classroom setting, and inclusion. Um, our objectives today are to acknowledge that every child is um, endowed by God with strengths and weaknesses that are unique to them, and they do vary. Some strengths may simply be that they have a nice smile, um, but we all have strengths and weaknesses, and so we want to make sure that we realize that these children um, are really just like any other children. Um, we want to make sure we know what federal law mandates for us as it applies to these learners who are exceptional. And the big law um, is now called IDEA. It was 94-142 at one time. Um, we want to make sure we know the appropriate terminology um, and look at how we would identify and diagnose our learners. Um, our scriptures are for this week are Psalms 139, 13 through 16. Matthew 7, 12, and Isaiah 43, 1 through 2. All right, one thing you may be wondering is why we chose a special education tax for a psychology class. Um, and it is, our, our text does focus a good bit on education. But you will find that psychologists do work in the public school systems. And the, the job generally is a school psychologist. Um, I had that job for three and a half years and really did love it. Um, it lets you do assessment of the children who have special needs. Um, and it's especially good for people you know, who like to work the school schedule, maybe have children and want to have those holidays off with their children. Um, what school psychologists do is just look at the children who have special needs and do the assessment of them. And we'll talk a little bit about that throughout the class. And the goal is to determine if those children are going to need some more help when they um, are trying to learn material for school and then the special education courses that we have in play will help those children as they navigate um, school. Um, almost all children who do have a special need will need some additional help in school and there are lots of different types of help that are available for those children. So the text that we're using, even though it is a special education text, um, is going to give you a good overview to the children who do have exceptionalities. Um, 
basic characteristics that they might share. Now, you also want to understand that if you had five children who had the same exceptionality, maybe um, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, um, they will have some commonalities, but they will all be very different as well. They're not going to um, be exactly the same. So you'll never be able to say two children are exactly the same. All right, so exceptional learners um, are what we're going to look at next. And one thing we want to know is that all humans are unique. Um, God created each one of us specially, and um, we are not the same as anyone else. Um, there are similarities that all humans have in common, and there are differences um, that they have. Now, some of those differences are going to be very obvious. So if you have a child who's born with a limb deficiency and there's no arm there, well, clearly we know that. Other differences are not as easy to discern, and these may be the way in which people learn. Some people um, learn in different ways, and that is not something obviously as easy to tell from looking. Um, so when we use this term, exceptional learners, we're talking about those children who differ in some way, sometimes again obvious, sometimes not, um, from what we would consider to be very typical, um, perhaps even the word normal development. And what is affecting their educational requirements is whatever this is that makes them different. And we'll look at several different exceptionalities throughout this course. Um, note that a lot of the abilities that they have may go unrecognized because we tend sometimes to focus in on the disability that the child has instead of abilities. And so we want to really kind of stress the strengths and you know build up the areas where these children are weak. And the children are still children and most ways are going to be very similar to a typical child, but um, they will be different in one or two ways. But one thing I really want to stress to you all is that a, a child is a child. And so these children who are exceptional learners are usually a lot more like uh, a child who would be typical than they would be different from them. Um, they still like to play. They're still going to cut up in class. There's still those kinds of things um, that make them very much like other children. Um, so again, the definition we're going to use for exceptional learners is anyone who needs some special education in order to reach the full human potential, and that would again be being educated in their school at this point. All right, a couple of key ideas is any classroom that you have is made up of diverse learners, and so everyone in that room will not learn in the same way. We've got people who are visual learners and need to see things in order to learn it. Other folks are auditory learners and need someone to explain things to them. And there are kinesthetic learners who need to be moving as they learn, just for example. Attitudes are very powerful. And if you provide acceptance for a child who is exceptional, then you will find that other children around you will pick those attitudes up. Um, if you have a very negative attitude, um, you're uncomfortable around someone who is different, um, then others will pick that up as well. So when you work with this population, you want to be able to have a very positive attitude towards these individuals. Um, remember that exceptionality is really um, something that's relative to the context that you happen to be in, be that social or cultural. So for example, if we were in a power outage and had no electricity, the person who was blind would actually be the one who was functioning best. And the rest of us who see would now suddenly become disabled. 
And so it really matters just in terms of the culture. There are times that individuals who have um, an exceptionality will be um, really handicapped and other times they will not be. Um, you can choose whether someone is exceptional based on what we consider to be normal. That's a set of norms that are set up as to what we expect um, from a particular, say, age range. Um, other definitions, a disability is some limitation that a person would have, and this might be physical, they might have um, a limb missing. Could be a cognitive one where their brain works in a little bit different way, and it's harder for them to learn. Sensory might be visual or, or uh, auditory. Um, maybe an emotional issue that, that makes it very difficult for this child to focus, um, learning disability, anything like that. And this is something that, you know, if you went from doctor to doctor, they would agree that you had this limitation. The limitation does make it, though, difficult to do certain tasks. That is a different term from handicap, although these two terms have been used interchangeably over the past many years. But the handicap is the impact of that disability or the consequence of it. Um, so that if I went into a building without an elevator and I was in a wheelchair and I needed to get up the steps, I would be handicapped. Uh, I would not be able, I would have a disability that would be physical, but I would be handicapped because I couldn't get up the steps and there was no other way up. Um, so it might be that my handicap is I can't drive because I am disabled and have some issue that keeps me from driving. Um, social marginalization is just when the society at large pushes you out of mainstream society, you know, kind of like the margins of your page, you're, you're pushing um, off the page. Um, any kind of discrimination, like not hiring for a job or not letting someone uh, rent an apartment because they have a disability. Those would be the terms handicap. Um, so a disability um, is, again, just an inability to do the task the way we would normally expect you to do. Uh, and an inability is a little bit different from that. This is you can't do it. Um, you are incapable of doing the task and note it's not always because of a disability sometimes it is sometimes it's not um, and so a disability would be considered a subset of an inability because again if you're unable to do something it again might be because of disability and might be because of something else all right, another terms that we need to go over are the difference in types of disability all right, many of the disabilities we'll talk about or exceptionalities are called high incidence disabilities. And these are those that you will see quite frequently. They're common. Um, something like a learning disability would be um, a high incidence disability. You see that quite often. Um, low incidence disabilities, however, are those that are much rarer. And these will not be something that you will see with as much frequency. Uh, blindness would be an example of a low incidence disability. Now, frequently you'll note that with the low incidence disabilities, they're, they're usually more severe. And we usually catch these a little bit earlier. So oftentimes within a very short time, uh, sometimes at birth, but in a short time after birth, we would know. Um, so you really should be able to tell if a child is blind, you should know that within the first year. Um, if they have something that's more high incidence, it would be a lot longer for you to understand that that has occurred. So you might not catch a learning disability 
until a child has actually reached maybe first grade. And that'll be a little bit longer um, for you to know that that has happened. Our prevalence numbers, um, we'll talk about a little bit as we go through this. And this is just percentage of the group of students that we have out there who might have a particular exceptionality. Um, so you may have some that are you know, less than half a percent and others where 10% of the population may um, have a particular exceptionality. Overall, um, if you look at all of the exceptionalities together in the United States, we have about eight and a half percent of students who would receive some level of special education, and that would be um, numbers a little over six million. Generally, we're talking about children who are between the ages of six and 17, although we do serve children um, in the school systems from birth to 21, um, and we will stop there.